Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Of the New Testament this morning is God is going to help us today. How many excited for what God is doing in your life this morning? Glory to God. I'm so grateful for my salvation to be saved and set free by the blood of Jesus Christ. This morning we are starting a new sermon series uh, that is going to go through the month of December. And uh, the title of this series is called Journey to the Manger. It is uh, in preparation, of course, for Christmas coming up at the end of the month. And we want to welcome you into the month of December as we look forward to this uh, most holy holiday uh, of the year as we celebrate the, uh, the, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ to the earth as He did uh, 2,000 years ago. And uh, to begin this, uh, this series, I want to look at one character in this Christmas story who um, plays a small but very significant part in this Christmas drama as we read in the beginning of these gospel accounts. And I want to begin, uh, as we look at this journey to the manger, we're going to be looking each week at a different character's journey uh, to the manger scene where Jesus comes into the world. This morning we're going to begin by looking at the character of Joseph. Joseph, who uh, is often overlooked because the details of his life are so few, and yet one who plays, as I mentioned, a very significant and integral part of this Christmas story. And so we're going to read his story in Matthew chapter 1. To me, the story of Joseph represents a story of a man who has to lose control. Control of his life, control of his destiny, control of his future, control of everything that he thought was going to happen, how he had laid his plans out for himself. And in one moment, he is having to deal with a situation that he never thought would be possible for him. And in that story this morning, I believe we can all learn something very valuable. There will be unexpected twists and turns in your life. And how you handle those twists and turns is really going to determine how close you are to God. Because the truth is this morning that we prefer things to be under control. We prefer to have a calendar planned out, and wouldn't it be nice if you could put on your calendar, okay, in three weeks, I'm going to have a flat tire. So I can save up a uh, hundred bucks so I can go and uh, get a new tire. Well, that would be nice, wouldn't it? But you can't plan for flat tires. You can always tell if you are a, a student of, uh, of stories, if you uh, like to read books or you watch a film, you can always tell when something crazy is about to happen. You know how? Because everything in the story is peaceful, calm, and serene, 
Like everyone's together. Like last night's a drama skit. Everyone was there around the table having a wonderful time. Bellies filled from Thanksgiving. And something crazy always happens next. You know why God doesn't let you live your life completely under your own control? I'll tell you why. Because you'll never learn anything. You'll never grow. Your life will never stretch. When you never leave your comfort zone this morning, you will never grow. And that is why sometimes God allows our lives to feel as if they are out of control. The truth is, though, it might be out of your control, but it is not out of control. It is in God's hands. Can you say amen? So we're going to look this morning at the perfect example of a man who seems to have everything under control. He's got his future planned, so he's got a destiny. And we're going to examine his story to learn how God would like us to handle situations when we feel out of control. Matthew 1, beginning with verse 18. Join me there. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. It would sure be nice if Joseph had known about this ahead of time, you know? (laughs) It would have been nice if Joseph would have had that little headline before all of this happened. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ is going to happen. He doesn't have the perspective of history like we do. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. There's a whole lot in that little verse, isn't there? A whole lot of drama there. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Say those words with me. Do not be afraid. That's the key. To take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Verse 24. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray for just a moment. Father, we come by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, the same one who died so that we might have life eternally. This morning, I'm praying, God, that you would give us a lesson from the life of the earthly father of your son, Jesus. I'm praying, Lord, that you would help us to see in his example a willingness to let go of control sometimes, when you're asking for it. God, I'm asking you this morning that we would be a people that are flexible with our faith. God, able to, to, uh, to follow the twists and the turns of life as you lay them out before us. We give you glory, Lord, for all that you are going to do in Jesus' mighty name. God's people would say, Amen. Let's look firstly this morning in this journey of Joseph at the illusion of a life under control. The illusion of a life under control. It's the illusion that every one of you wants to have this morning. 
the end of the day, it is just that, an illusion. The Bible describes Joseph in a very specific way here in these scriptures. They call him a just man. Matthew, as he's writing this history, he calls Joseph and looks back on this story and calls him a just man. The word in the Greek is the word dikaios. It is, uh, we could also use the word righteous. One who observes uh, the divine commandments. Someone who is virtuous. Someone who lo- knows the commands of God and obeys them freely. That's a, that's a good description to have on your life, isn't it? Joseph, the just man. Someone uh, who is innocent, faultless, guiltless. Of course, no man can achieve this perfectly except the Lord Jesus. But when the Bible describes him as a just man, as a righteous follower of the commandments, that is high praise for any individual. That he is not a bad guy. He is a very good guy. And, uh, and, and we all ought to strive to have that description on our lives. Joseph, a just man. The Bible says that not only is he a just man, listen, listen that, that description, just, it didn't come from nowhere. It didn't come from just out of randomness. There's a reason why when Matthew looked at him, the Holy Spirit speaking through Matthew called him a just man because he has a track record, doesn't he? He has decisions that he has made. He's a disciplined man. His, his, uh, no doubt his community, his background, his family environment has all played a part to bring him to this point of life where he can be described well as a just and righteous person. That's a challenge to every one of us right there. I wonder if we looked at your life, could we describe you as a just or a righteous person? The second thing we learn about this guy is that he is betrothed to Mary. Now, betrothal is something that we in the Western world uh, don't have a lot of knowledge about. But in the Jewish tradition, to be betrothed to someone, uh, in most cases, this would have been set, uh, set up by the two families between the husband and the wife, between the, the groom and the bride-to-be. This would have been arranged long before, maybe when they were just children. Joseph and Mary would have known each other. They would have been in the same community knowing each other. The families would have been connected. And so, uh, so for a long time, they could have been betrothed. But the, the meaning of this scripture, when it talks about betrothal, it's not just talking about that they've been promised to one another. But they have come into the season where it is kind of like pre-season for marriage. It's kind of like the uh, pre-marriage time. Basically, the, uh, the father of the bride and the families would, would betroth these two together. Basically, they'd be living in the same house, but not married yet. So they would be able to, uh, uh, to adjust to the married lifestyle, but it is without, of course, uh, any, any sexual contact. They were able to uh, begin to uh, know each other a little more. It's kind of like uh, what we would call uh, dating in our society. They're able to spend time together. They're able to uh, talk to one another. They're able to work out their future together. This is Joseph and Mary in the time of betrothal, yet they have not yet actually been married. So in this time, it's a time of preparation. It's a time of adjusting our lifestyles. It's a time of learning a little more about this person. 
It's a time of changing expectations. He's betrothal. And so I, you've got to imagine that uh, a guy like Joseph in this situation, he's very excited to get married. There, there's a reason why guys are excited to get married. I'll leave that to your imagination. There's a reason why that he could be thinking about his future, not just to be with Mary, his wife, but also the future of having children, the future of making a life for himself. He's got everything laid out. In the Jewish tradition, uh, the young man, as he comes to the time of marriage, even beginning at the age of 13, the age of the bar mitzvah, they would actually begin building a structure. Many times that structure would be added on to their family house. They would add a couple of extra rooms. This is going to be the place where he's going to bring his bride to him. This is why when Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you, it's the same idea. He's, I'm going I'm to bring my bride to myself, and in my father's house there are many mansions, and together I'm going to prepare that place for you so that one day you can come with me, join me in this room that I am building, in this house that I am building. And so it could be that Joseph had been building this room for, for several years. He had been preparing, and all of this is looking Toward the future, right? He's building his life. He's uh, making right decisions. He's living as a just and a righteous person. He's doing things the right way. He's making sure that each step that he takes is the right step. He's building a home. He's bringing his wife. He's thinking about his children. What a wonderful thing that he is doing. This is what many of us long for in our lives. A life under control. A life where I've got things where they need to be. Sometimes that can be for us a certain kind of an idol. It can be for us a, a, a thing that we're dreaming of. And if, if any little thing goes wrong, it can set people awry. But I want to tell you, this idea of a life under control, as it was for Joseph, is just an illusion. Because I want to tell you this morning, a life under control, under your control, is something that only lasts for a very short time. How many of you have ever been surprised by life? If your hand's not in the air, just wait five minutes. Because there's something coming around the corner. Something that you could not expect. Something that you cannot prepare for. Something that is completely unexpected. The truth is that even though you might have the illusion of having things under control, it is just that. It's an illusion. Because the truth is there is really very few things in this life that you have control over. I've, have you ever heard those stories about uh, athletes in tip-top condition? They spend all their days going to the gym and, uh, and uh, working out and eating right and doing all these amazing things and and, uh, you know, running in marathons and keeping their hearts healthy and eat, eating all the right diet and staying away from gluten and all of those evil foods that can, can, uh, can make you fat. And, and then they, they die at age 45 of a heart attack. Go figure. That's not everybody, obviously. There are certain, certain things that you can do to prepare. But listen, at the end of the day, so many things can go wrong, right? It's not under your control. We've just uh, been praying for these people in California. Many of these people, these are retirement communities. The whole city, I believe it was called Paradise, California. What a nice name for a city. 
Paradise, California. It's a retirement community. Can you imagine these people? They've spent their whole lives working for a fortune, buying a house in a, in a retirement place called Paradise. And in a few weeks' time, raging forest fire sweeps across their town. Nearly every structure in that city has burned to the ground. What can you do to prepare for that? What can you do? How can you take control? You can't. See, that's because life is not under your control. It is under control, just not your control. And we tend to be, many people tend to be control freaks. There's a few people here, I know, control freaks. And many times that comes out uh, when, when you're married to somebody, you know, somebody put, you, one, the wife puts the toilet paper roll on the, on the little bar and it comes out this way. And the husband says, no, 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 it's supposed to come out this way. <laughs> What's the big deal? No, it has to come out this way. See, that's, that's where control freaks are revealed. Uh, instead of squeezing the toothpaste from the end the right way, you squeeze it from the middle and drive each other insane. That's because that's two people who have control issues. Don't say it's not true because it happens every day. There are very few things in this life that we actually do have any control over. It's under God's mighty hand. So secondly, let's look at Joseph as his life seemingly begins to fly apart at the seams. Verse 18, again, after his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was, oh, here it is, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. This is what you see on Jerry Springer. She was found with child. Can you imagine Joseph? She was found. Now, Joseph does not know that this was a work of the Holy Spirit. She has been away with her, uh, with her uh, great aunt Elizabeth at this time. She's been gone for a few months. And he's been working. He's been preparing. He's been building his home. He's been doing all the things a, a brand new husband would, would want to do for his wife. He's been working for her, laboring, sweating, building. He's been preparing a life. You know, men, uh, good men have this desire to prepare for their wives, to work hard for them, to protect them and provide for them, right? That's what good men do. And he's been laboring, maybe for a long time, sweating, getting sore muscles every day to build a home for her. And here she comes. She is found with child. Oh, Mary, how could you do this? He doesn't know that it was the Holy Spirit. It is, uh, this is something new that has never happened in the history of mankind. No woman has ever been made pregnant by the influence of the Holy Spirit. There's another way that this happens. And Joseph, Joseph now has, has a monkey wrench in the gears, doesn't he? All of a sudden, all of his preparations, all of his, uh, all of his right steps, his just preparations... Everything that he has done up to this point, it seems like it's all been a waste. Mary, you have violated my trust. Now, I want to remind you that in the Jewish law, in the Jewish tradition, as a husband-to-be, if he has done nothing wrong, and he has not done anything wrong, has he? He has the right, if he wants, to judge this woman and have her publicly stoned. He has that right. 
if he was to press this case, if he was to bring it to the elders of the community, that he could persecute Mary and he would be right in his decision to have her destroyed and killed. Joseph is in a place that he never prepared for. He's never expected this. He's known Mary since he was just a kid. And now all of a sudden, something happens to change the whole situation. Have you ever been there? You had the whole plan laid out. You had made your preparations. You've done everything that you know how to do to make sure everything's going to go smoothly. And all of a sudden, monkey wrench. All of a sudden, you lose your job. All of a sudden, you get sick. All of a sudden, in the midst of everything you had prepared, you realize that you don't have everything under control. And this is where we find Joseph. All of a sudden, he loses control. There's nothing that he could have done to prepare for this. This wasn't in his plan. And I want to tell you right here, listen to me carefully this morning. It's right at that point in your life that you can make terrible decisions. What if Joseph had followed through with his right to bring Mary to judgment? That would have been really bad, right? He could have killed Jesus before his time had come. We know God is protecting him, of course. But what if Joseph, what if he would run away at this point? What if he would have, uh, he, he said, I can't handle this, I'm out of here. So many men do today. I'm going to move to uh, Egypt. <laughs> See you later, Mary. I can't handle this. See, right here, this is where people make terrible choices. I want to warn you this morning, and I want you to hear me well. When life throws a monkey wrench into your plans, you need to take very careful consideration of what you're going to do next. This wasn't in the plan. And this is what I call losing control well. Because there's two ways to lose control. Eventually, we will all lose control of ourselves, of our lives. Because there's something coming. You can either do it in a bad way, or you can lose control well. And what we see in Joseph's life here is he loses control of his future in the right way. And I want to show you how he does it. Look at verse 20. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Okay, first thing. Look at the, the uh, in, our, in, in verse 20, it's the fourth word. But while he, what? Thought. While he thought about these things. Can I tell you, can I remind you this morning, God gave you a brain. And he expects you to use it. A brain is not just there to fill in the space between your ears. He thought about these things. This is something that is missing from much of our generation today. So we know that he probably could never have come up with a solution for this on his own. But at least he was thinking. The Bible says he was thinking, he was pondering, he was focusing, he was allowing his brain to begin to process what is happening in his life. You know what many people do? They speak and then they think. Or they act and make a decision 
and then they think about it. <laughs> Can I tell you, that's the wrong order. You ought to put the thinking first, and then the speaking. Or people put the, uh, they, they send the text message, and then they think about it. They put the Facebook comment, and blow up your entire family history, and then think about it. Joseph shows us that in the midst of unexpected situations, you really ought to engage the, the old thinker up there. Engage it. Put down the phone. Stop searching Google. And think about it for a minute. Okay? That's step one. The second thing we see is that Joseph, while he's thinking, he falls asleep, which is pretty common. And he falls asleep during his time of, of sleeping, the Lord appeared to him, or excuse me, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife. So in other words, while he's dreaming, he is able to hear from God. This is so, so critical this morning. That in the midst of unexpected situations, twists and turns of life, you've got to be able to hear from God. You've got to be able to hear from God. When Peter, uh, when Jesus began to ask his disciples about who do men say that I am? Well, some say that you're John the Baptist. Some say that you're Elijah the prophet. And he says, who do you say that I am? And G Peter pipes up and he says, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says something interesting about that. He said, Peter, you've not heard this from flesh and blood. You didn't get this from some person. You didn't read that on Twitter. You didn't find that on Facebook. But it is God who spoke that to you. That has been revealed to you from heaven. Let me ask you this morning, what have you received from heaven in the last week, in the last month? Have you received anything from God? Because when you're in the midst of turbulent situations, times where you don't know how it's going to turn out, you're going to really need to learn how to hear from heaven, like Joseph did. You're going to really need to turn your heart. And I want to tell you, that doesn't just happen randomly. It doesn't just happen without Joseph's preparation of his heart. No doubt he's been praying. He's asking God. God, can you show me what's happening here? Show me what I need to do next. He's not just thinking about things. He's turning to the Lord in prayer. What about you this morning? So often what we do is we get emotional. We freak out. We run around. We complain. You show up in pastor's office. <laughs> and like I'm going to have an answer for She's pregnant? Are you serious? <laughs> What you need to do is hear from God. And I understand wise counsel, godly counsel is very helpful, yes. But there is no counsel like the counsel of the Holy Spirit. He goes into his dream, and the angel of the Lord is able to speak to him. He's able to hear from God. Now look at verse 24. What's the next thing he does? And Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took him and took to him his wife. Now this is so, so important that you understand this. Now remember, Mary now, 
now she's pregnant. She's been found with child. In the eyes of the community, she is worse than a prostitute. Because she has betrothed herself to this man, promised to remain pure, and then gone back on her promise. At least a prostitute, we know what she's doing. But she's worse than that now. She has been. She is on deck to be rejected by her whole community. All right? You understand what this means for a Jewish girl going into marriage, not only rejected by her husband, but rejected by her own family. How could you do this, Mary? And now Joseph, remember what he was thinking of doing. He was thinking of showing her mercy by dealing with it quietly. That was his plan. He says, I'm going to put her away. I'm just going to do it quietly. I'm not going to make a big fuss about it. And he shows his kindness that he's going to do that. But after he hears from God in this dream, now he is going to join himself to this woman. And when he does that, he is now going to receive all the same scorn that Mary is going to get. Because now, look, think of what the community and her parents and his parents, how are they going to see this? Joseph, I thought you were a just man. I thought you made right decisions. I thought you did things right. You're going to take this this filthy woman? You're going to receive her? You're still going to marry her? Joseph, so foolish. Don't do that. But see, when God speaks to you, it is critical to obey the heavenly vision. Are you hearing me this morning? This is where the discipline of Joseph's life comes into play. We know that he's a just man, that he has made many right decisions up until this point. There's there's a reason why. Because he is a disciplined man. And so now, when God is able to speak to him, he's able to hear from heaven, then Joseph makes a very disciplined decision to obey the heavenly decision. This goes against everything that his community is pushing for. This goes against everything that the the, the Jewish standards would call for. And Joseph now is going to say, I'm obedient to God, even when everything else is telling me not to be obedient. Do you see that? He obeys the heavenly vision. Listen, when life throws a twist, when life throws a monkey wrench in your life, it is going to be critical that you obey the voice of God. Obey the voice of God. Final thing I want to mention here. He thought about these things. He was able to hear from God. He obeyed the heavenly vision. And the fourth thing is that he remained pure. Look at verse 25. And he did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Now this morning, do you realize what that means? When the Bible uses that language of knowing, like Adam knew his wife, this is only the act of marriage. And so Joseph, what what the Scripture is telling us here is that even though he's taking Mary to be his wife, he is not sleeping with her. He is remaining pure. Amen. He is, uh, even though she, she, uh, she now, we, you know, the, the marriage is together. I mean, I'm going to receive you, Mary. But listen, we're going to do this the right way. Amen. So you're going to have the baby. Amen. 
and now for however long this is, for the three or four or five months, that you're going to be pregnant, you're going to bring forth the son, and only after that are we going to consummate this marriage. What does that show us about Joseph? It shows us that he has incredible virtue. He's pure in heart. I mean, who, who would care at this point if, if he's going to sleep with her or not? Who cares? I mean, the whole community says, well, she, you know, she's a loose woman anyway. What's the big deal? You're going to get married in a few months anyway, Joseph, so you might as well just go for it, right? That's what our whole, whole world says about sexual, uh, sexual sin is that, you know, what's the big deal? Ah, it's just, just old Victorian rules from hundreds of years ago. Big deal, right? Oh, no, no, no. Joseph says there's another standard here. He says, I'm obedient to God. This is between me and God. He remains pure. So the, the, the reason I mention is this is because when life throws you a twist, when there's a monkey wrench that comes into your plans, do you know what many people do? They use this as an excuse to go out and sin, to go back to the ways of your past, to go back to the foolishness that you used to be in. As well, okay, God, I guess, you know, since it's not working out anyway, I am just might as well pick up another bottle. Might as well. Who, who's, who cares anyway? In the midst of a situation that Joseph could not have predicted, could not have prepared for, and still, he keeps his heart right. And he keeps his pants zipped up. The lesson that I learned from the life of Joseph is four words. Go with the flow. This is hard for many people to just go with the flow, to follow God where he is leading you, and to keep your heart right in the process. Oh, beloved, I want to tell you, most of my Christian life has been unexpected, (laughs) has been outside of my plans and my purposes for my own life. I would never have been a missionary unless, unless God had helped me to go with the flow and keep my heart right. I remember in those first days after Pastor Campbell, he came to my wife and I. Now, we had been announced to become uh, pastors. We were going to pioneer a church in the city of Chicago. This was in 2005. 2005, we were in the conference. We were announced to go to the city of Chicago. We began preparing our lives, just like Joseph. We began to make decisions. We're going to do this the right way. We sold our house. We made a nice little chunk of profit before the housing market went down. We said, thank God, we got a little, little chunk of money. We can do something. We gave. We, we gave large. We wrote some big checks. We sold a vehicle. We were preparing ourselves. We got a little nest egg together. Let's put this away. We're going to have a good time. We're going to have money for, for when we launch this church, and we're going to have extra expenses, but we'll be able to throw some money at this. And, and so we were preparing, and and we were thinking about it. We began looking online. Where's an apartment to live in? What neighborhood are we going to go to? Let's start looking for a church building. You know, everything was lining up. And Pastor Campbell came and threw a big old monkey wrench. And he says, have you ever heard of Bulgaria? No. <laughs> I'm not good with geography, Pastor. He says, well, it's in Eastern Europe. There's a pastor there who's been a missionary for nine years. He and his wife and children, they're ready to come home. But there's a church there. They've, they've started it. The church has been there for about a year and a half. 
We've got some people, and we're looking for somebody to take it over. And he says, if you're willing to go, then I'd be willing to support you. Big old monkey wrench. <laughs> he just drops that in our lap. He said, but pastor, what about Chicago? He says, well, the kingdom needs, you know. He says, and, and then he says, this was on a Thursday night. He says, I need to know by Sunday. That's three days to make a decision. This was before the uh, internet had taken off real big, so we had to go home and open an encyclopedia. Can you imagine this? To figure out what Bulgaria is. Okay, Bulgaria, okay. It's uh, Iron Curtain. It's Communist Nation. Uh, but, but can I tell you this? Even before we opened the encyclopedia to start learning about Bulgaria, we had already, in our hearts, Taya and I, we had already said to ourselves, Let's do it. Amen. Go with the flow and keep your heart right. In those three days, I began to uh, just really think about it like Joseph. I was thinking and I was praying about it. I, I came to church for prayer and I began to just, just cry out to God, God, I need you to show me. This is the right decision. Let's do it. And, and so as I was praying, I, I went to Pastor Campbell's office and I sat down there and I said, Pastor, I, you know, I think we want to do this. I think we're going to do it. But, but here's the problem. I feel so underprepared and so overwhelmed. There's nothing that I could ever have done. You know, it would have been nice to know that like five years earlier so I could go to class and learn the Bulgarian language. But I didn't have that preparation. And so, Pastor, I'm feeling underprepared and overwhelmed by this, this monkey wrench you've thrown into my life. And you know what he told me? He said, the best piece of advice I can give you is just keep your heart right. Amen. Just stay right with God. Amen. Just stay close to him in prayer and go with the flow. <laughs> this is a sermon that I have lived out for the last 15 years of my life. Amen. Is when life throws you monkey wrench, when people disappoint you, Amen. when people fail you, when Mary shows up pregnant, of the Holy Spirit. Go with the flow. Now, it might be a different story if she had shown up pregnant, not of the Holy Spirit. You know what I'm saying? But here's, here's the lesson of life is keep your heart right and go with Proverbs 3, verse 5. I want to tell you, when I was a new convert, this was my life verse, and it still is to, my, to this day. Proverbs 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not depend on your own understanding. It's all there. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. This is the life of the believer this morning. Now I want to close with this thought. Your worst day might be God's best day. This is probably the worst day of Joseph's life, right? To have his bride-to-be show up with a baby in the belly. And yet, he does not understand. He could not understand that this is the beginning of what God is going to do to save the entire human race. Verse 21, I want to read as we close. She will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Then verse 22, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, 
Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. You see what God is doing here? God is showing Joseph that his worst day on earth was actually the best thing that could ever happen. He says, Joseph, you are entering into a prophecy that is thousand years old. And you're stepping in and inheriting this promise that a virgin shall conceive and bear a child. Not only that, Joseph, but you are stepping into the future that we shall call his name Emmanuel, that God in heaven is coming down to a sinful world and it's all because of you, Joseph. It's because you're here. You're here to take care of this, this girl. You're here to make sure that this child will be safe and taken care of. You are here, Joseph, and it's all connected to you. You might think this was a monkey wrench, but Joseph, I've had this planned out ever since the beginning. Amen. And that's where your faith comes in this morning. Doesn't the Bible say in Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. So when life takes a twist, when you experience the, un the unexplainable, when life throws you a monkey wrench, realize that it's not all about you, that it's going to require some faith, that God has known about this from the beginning, and He is working out His plan into the future, sometimes you control freaks need to let go. God, I don't know what in the world you are doing, but I'm going to go with the flow. And I'm not going to get angry. And I'm not going to get all emotional and upset. And I'm not going to get suicidal and take pills. And I'm not going to be crazy and, and complain and not become a black hole of, of attention seeking. I'm not going to put a foul face on my, uh, 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 when I go to church, and I'm not going to suck the life out of the room, I'm going to believe, God, that you're doing something. And I don't understand it right now, and I may not ever understand it in this life. But I believe, God, I trust you, that you are working something out, and that even this tragedy, even this monkey wrench, even this disappointment is part of what you are doing. Now, if you could live a life like that, then you too could be called just and righteous. Think about Job as we close. Job, when the Bible starts the story of Job, it calls Job a righteous man. That God stands up and defends Job in front of the enemy. He says, oh no, have you observed my servant Job? Right? And the devil says, you know, he says, yeah, the reason that Job is such a cool guy is because you blessed him so much, Lord. You let me touch his life. You let me throw a monkey wrench. And I'll show you, God, he'll, he'll curse in your face. And God, God allows the devil to mess up Job's whole life. You ever think about that? Don't you wish Job would have known about this whole conversation in advance? It would have been a lot easier on him, you know. Don't you wish that he could get like a little sneak preview of heaven of what was happening in that moment? 
Okay, all right. All right, I gotta, st- I gotta make sure I pass this test. He doesn't have that luxury. All he knows is that one day a fireball falls on his house, and all of his children are killed, and all of his crops are destroyed, all of his wealth is gone in a moment, and even all of his health. He starts having boils all over his body. What a terrible, terrible situation. He's lost it all. But you know what he does? He goes with the flow. And he keeps his heart right. We read back and forth throughout the whole book of Job. It's a whole, it's a whole discussion of who God is and who receives God's blessings. But throughout the whole ordeal, the Bible says that Job did not sin with his lips. And I know this morning, it's okay to go to God and ask questions. He's not afraid of your questions. But what Job understood is that, God, you've got to be doing something here. You've got to be working out a plan. And in the end, that's exactly what happened. So I want to encourage you. The journey of Joseph in this Christmas story is about a man who loses control well. And when he does, oh, God is able to use his life. God is able to use him as a covering, as a blessing for Jesus in the earth. He's able to keep a home. He's able to protect Jesus as the, as the authorities begin to destroy the children under the age of two in that place. And he says, I'm going to take you, Mary, and I'm going to take this brand new baby, and we're going to flee down to Egypt to be safe because this child is something special. Look, this is a picture of every man of God here this morning. You have got to be able to lose control well. Put things in the hands of God, who is the only one who truly has control of all things. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes as we bring this service to a close this morning and as we consider the journey of Joseph, a guy who had everything laid out, had it all together. And in one day, his life turned upside down. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vvph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vbph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.